0: Hey there podcast listeners, exciting news. My new audiobook, The Short Book Formula: A Financial Professional's Guide to Writing a Book in 6 Weeks to Attract Ideal Clients, is out now. And the best part, for a limited time, we're offering this audiobook to you for free. Hurry over to www.theshortbookformula.com and claim your copy now. And now, onto our show. Hey everyone, this is Paul McManus, the host of the Million Dollar Producer Show, Um, and I have a very special guest today, Nancy Brunetti. Nancy is the CEO of Ocean Crest Financial down on the Space Coast of Florida. Um, I've known Nancy for the past, I want to say, 10? No, it's been almost a year now, I think. Um, And we've gotten to know each other, um, first and foremost, as a client of mine. Um, and now we're involved in a couple endeavors, but she has such an amazing story. Um, is such an impressive woman, and so I'm so excited to have you today as our guest on the Million Dollar Producer Show. Nancy, welcome. Thanks for
1: having me here. I'm excited. Um, Going to talk about lots of fun stuff today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, just to give a just to give our audience a sense of your background. Um, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but you are, you know, you've run um, a few, or you've helped run a few multinational co- companies in the financial services industry as an executive vice president, and a chief operating officer. Um, I believe you said throughout the United States and South Africa and different places. Um, from there, you went and you founded um, in your garage, I, if I understand this correctly. <laughs> Um, a, your own financial services company and within eight years you grew it from zero to fifty nine million dollars And you ended up selling it to your partner for a seven-figure-plus payoff. Is that all accurate? That
1: That is accurate. It makes me blush when you say it that way, but yes, that that's my story and um, I'm that's sticking to it. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and, 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 and that was a few years ago, and so you know, what is it that you're doing today?
1: Okay, uh, well, as you said, I, I sold my practice to my uh, business partner. We had to find an operating agreement in advance, so there was no drama with selling my practice. Um, that's always an important thing. Um, after after we separated, I actually moved to Florida at that point. My practice had been located in Connecticut, so I had moved to Florida and at that point, started another financial services firm, and I really had two focuses with that firm. One is obviously helping individuals and families you know work on their personal financial goals but I've also really reached out and started doing a lot of coaching and helping other advisors mentoring them through the entire how to run your own practice kind of paradigm so it's kind of a two-fold endeavor um, since I moved to Florida almost a decade ago
0: wow that's awesome and if you could take us back and you know, I don't know if you have a defining moment story or, you know, what is it that got you into this business that you're in today?
1: Yeah, well, what what really happened was that I had been asked by an FMO that I worked with to make a presentation to other advisors that were also associated with the FMO. And it was a, a two-day conference where I got to be with my business partner up on stage, kind of explaining how we manage our practice from lead generation to managing our operations, the sales process, follow-up referrals. And I was a bit surprised, actually, that they'd asked us to do that, not because we weren't successful at what we had done, but the fact that every other advisor in that room didn't know what we knew. Hmm. And the fact that they were coming to hear us talk for two days about all those things, lead generation, the sales process, how to close sales, how to do our marketing, how to follow up, how to ask referrals. So that was a a bit of an epiphany for me that um, what I had assumed every other advisor knows about managing their practice um, wasn't in fact true. So as a result of that is why I got into the idea of doing mentoring, um, helping advisors, getting them to be part of my agency or doing consulting or coaching or mentoring with them to help them build their practice, to know how to take a sale or an opportunity from soup to nuts, from lead generation to closing the opportunity and then generating referrals from that. So that was my defining moment the fact that everyone didn't know what I assumed they knew about running a financial services practice.
0: That's awesome. You know, I I think think there's a word for it, they call it the curse of knowledge, right? (laughs) It's like for, for us, something comes easy. And we assume that, you know, everyone else knows it, but then we go and discover, oh, they don't. <laughs> so they don't.
1: Yeah, they don't know it. I and mean, you would just assume that this is common knowledge, and in fact it is uncommon knowledge, or at least uncommon practice. That we go. know yeah. that we practice maybe two different things.
0: Yeah, and, and I also um, believe that... or. Uh, or I think before we were talking, Anne, you had said that um, you were never into sales before. So you you know you have this very impressive career, and today you do a lot of personal production as well. Um, tell me a little bit more about that. So from you know Nancy, who isn't into sales, to Nancy, who today, and this is our own personal relationship, who is one of um, you know we work together as well, and you know you know you're just crushing it. I'm amazed by you. I you know want everyone to be like you from a sales okay. perspective. <laughs> So, so how did you go from there to being so good at sales?
1: Well, I'll tell you, um, I worked with a gentleman years ago when I was at one of my corporations that I was the chief operating officer for. And he said to me, he goes, you know, you, you do everything here, but you can't do sales. And um, I put, took that as a personal affront and also a challenge. And I thought, well, maybe someday I'll get out there and do sales. And when I started my own practice, my business partner was primarily responsible for sales, although I was responsible for the sales process. Yeah, um, everything that they did, you know, leading up to and after meetings, making sure we followed up with clients, did the referral process, marketing, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So it really um, was, you know, what do they say? You know, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. So when you have your own firm, you're out there doing it. Either you're selling the firm, you're selling products, you're um, meeting with other advisors, so it's kind of you're taking it all in. When I moved to Florida um, and started my own firm, that's when I really became more and more involved in the one-on-one sales with my retail clients. And because I've been exposed to the industry for about 25 or 30 years prior to being involved in one-on-one sales, it kind of came as a a natural progression, if you will. And the thing with sales is to be authentic. I never really feel like I'm selling anybody. I always feel like I'm educating them. And if what I'm saying makes sense, then the sales become just a natural progression in the education process, as opposed to um, flipping the conversation. And now we're going to sell you something. um, But, you know, the sales, Thing wasn't something I ever thought I'd be involved in, but if you can wrap it around doing all of the operations and marketing well, then sales just becomes a natural part of the whole business operation.
0: Absolutely, and I can so relate to that. Is that I used to be um, very analytical, very introverted myself. I'm not saying that you are, you are, were, but um, you know, sales was the last thing that um, I ever saw myself doing. Yeah. And you know, twenty years or so ago you know, I got myself in a place where it's like, oh, sales make sense. And, you know, I tackled it. It sounds like very similar, which is, you know, it's like very, I want to, you know, if, if, if I have this limiting belief or this, someone's challenging me about my build, and I just want to go and learn everything about it. And in that process, I think I got quite good at it. So I can definitely, um, it sounds like I can relate to what you're saying. Right. Um, in, in terms of so so you're you're now on the space coast of Florida um, and you and so t- just to recap you um, you do personal production um, you have your own agency and you also do some business coaching for advisors on the I think on the side yes um, and you know this podcast as you know it's all about those insider secrets to attracting and converting high value clients and so um, what is it that today um, and I know you do a, you know, a couple different things or a number of different things. What is it that today you do to keep your pipeline full?
1: Ah, uh, okay. So we there's a quite a few things that we have going, and I think what's important is never to get lazy about marketing. Mm. Um, so that's my thing is always be out there, always be visible. So our marketing campaigns that keep my pipeline more than full right now, and I'm looking for other advisors because I simply don't have time to react to leads that I have but um, I do do seminar marketing uh, which is I only do six sets of seminars during a whole calendar year so it's not pervasive it's enough to keep that portion of my pipeline full Um, I do as you know a lot of links go ahead
0: can you go a little bit deeper into that? Because I'd love for our audience to know. I mean, because you're, you know, you're, you know, in my impression you're successful. Like everything you do, I'm sure there's something that I'm not aware, of, but you're successful at everything. Um, and so, from a seminar marketing, I know you know advisors, you know, have, you know, do it successfully. So maybe some struggle. What is it that you found about seminar marketing that makes that such a powerful um, uh, lead source for you?
1: Okay, well, for me, seminar marketing is, again, about education. I am never walking into a seminar with a sales mentality. I'm always going into it with an education mentality. Um, But the most important thing about seminar marketing isn't the seminar delivery itself. And I think it's so easy for advisors to get caught up in that hour or hour and a half that they're up there in front of an audience talking, and they're all about, what do I say, what do I do? And for me, what I teach the advisors that I work with is about all the preparation that has to happen before the event, um, because you realize there's multiple touches that are happening with a prospect prior to that event. Uh, We focus on what has to happen at the event from the client's experience perspective. And then the third part is really the follow-up, what happens after an event to be able to convert them to get them to come into your office to become a client. So... The seminar marketing, when I when I work with other advisors, we do a three-part training session and it's literally before, during, and after an event, those things need to happen. And I think some of the advisors are only focusing on, well, what do I do at the seminar? Right. And that may be the least important of the three components of before, during, and after a seminar. So when I when I do my seminars or when I work with other advisors to either do seminars with them or teach them how to do seminars. It's exactly that. It's the before, the during, and the appropriate follow up afterwards. So.
0: And, I've, and I've heard you say that. I mean, you have it down to almost a science, where you know more or less in advance that if you spend X and you get so many people, that it's going to, you know, your cost per lead and your cost per conversion um, right. is down to that. Can you can you can you share any more insights there?
1: Sure. So um, I, I used to work for a gentleman at one of the corporations. And he had a quote that said, what gets measured gets done. And that is our little mantra. So I will know, um, and we keep statistics on everything exactly, how many people attended every event. So I know how many people I mail to, what my rate of response is going to be, um, how many people will actually show up, how many of those will convert to appointments, and then how many of those will convert to clients. So I'm tracking those numbers for each and every event. And for each and every location to really do my own market analysis to see which, of which locations are more effective for me, um, which locations I don't get the same return on that I would expect on average from an event. And we'll always have anomalies. You know, you'll have a bad weather day or something like that. Um, that happens. That's just life. Um, so you can't predict everything. So it's not quite a science. But there's a process to be followed, and we do measure all of our results. So I can ask my assistant at any point in time how much revenue did we generate from the event we did in March of 2018, and she'll be able to tell me immediately the names of the clients we generated from that event and how much revenue, what the sales and the revenues were from that event.
0: So, and is is there? Is there any specific topic or um, in terms of the seminar, what are you finding people are most attracted to?
1: So my seminars, uh, we focus on two topics and um, I combine them into one event because I firmly believe that the two biggest impediments to people gaining wealth are taxes and debt.
0: Yeah.
1: And so often I'll have someone who's thinking about retiring and they come into my office and they'll tell me, well, I can't retire yet because I still have to pay off my mortgage or I've got credit card debt or "or student loans or whatever it is. Um, So it really feels to me as though debt is a big issue in our country and it's becoming larger and larger. So I talk about ways to effectively leverage Mm -hmm. debt and use it as a wealth builder instead of a wealth detractor. Mm -hmm. And then we talk about the impact of taxes Mm-hmm. And if you don't factor in where we are with taxes, how much our accounts are going to cost us in taxes, both now and in the future, um, then I'm not doing my job. So the te- the seminar topics really are about debt and taxes and how they can interfere with or assist you in building your wealth.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And, the, and that's a great <clears throat> excuse me. That's a great segue into what you and I have been doing in terms of LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, messaging that we've been using there to attract people um, so first of first and foremost um, for your seminars you're in the space coast of Florida and um, you're you're targeting a certain demographic um, since we've been working together with LinkedIn um, we, we we target very specifically aerospace and defense professionals um, okay. before we get into that could you share with our audience you know, you already have you know, you, this successful seminar business. You might have other ways to get leads. I mean, if anything, your problem now is growing your, not a problem, but your, your opportunity now is growing your agency because you have enough leads, so to speak. What was it that um, a year or so ago um, attracted you to looking into LinkedIn as an additional um, source of leads? What was the thinking there? Well,
1: more and more, um, our society is looking towards social media and networking. Yeah. Um, so, certainly, seminars are a great way to get in front of people, but not everybody's going to respond to a seminar invitation. Yeah. And what's really great for me is by targeting, as you said, the space and um, the aerospace and defense industries, those are people who are literally in my backyard. We, I'm at Cape Canaveral, Kennedy Space Center, all the aerospace companies are right there. So, it was a natural progression to make that a key focus of my market to be attracting those people into my business and giving them the value proposition of are you considering about what happens to your 401k when you start making withdrawals with or and distributions so those markets seemed um, a natural way for me to focus and using social media platform especially a professional platform like linkedin rather than facebook or you know instagram or something else like that so they already are in a professional mindset so i can present myself as a professional to other professionals and offering them real value in terms of improving their individual situation, their individual financial situation.
0: Definitely, and then getting into the um, people that together we target and some of that messaging that we use. Um, you know, we've decided because of where you live and you know number of the clients that you have that it made sense to target aerospace and defense professionals there on the space coast, um, and the messaging that we essentially use. Um, and this is a lot of direct messaging through LinkedIn, um, very systematic. Um, is you know really it's 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 taking these people that um, you know you don't know, their second and third degree connections. We're moving them to first degree connections, um, and we're using kind of a, almost like a uh, you know direct mail, but within LinkedIn direct messaging um, campaign, very specifically around the topics of taxes and. Debt. I mean, ultimately, you know, I think for the most part you end up providing them, if it makes sense, life insurance and annuities, but the messaging that that entices people, that gets people to want to have that initial phone conversation with you is around taxes and debt. Can you share any more insights in, in that?
1: Well, yeah. Um, the product solution can't be effective until there's a problem, right? Uh, <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> We can't be solutions in search of a problem. Um, so, you know, the problem that these people are going to have will be will be debt and taxes. And when that resonates with them, when the the messaging goes out and they they connect with me on LinkedIn and they understand what it is I do, that message resonates. It's like yes, I realize that I have a debt problem, and this seems like a solution. That, sh- that this woman may have to offer me to fix my debt problem or I have a tax problem or I'm concerned about my income in retirement because of either the tax or the debt problem. So it's a natural progression. The fact that there are certain solutions, which as you said, may be annuities or life insurance or other solutions that I might offer. Um, that's never part of the initial conversation. I don't go and say, hi, I sell annuities. Um, like, yeah, I don't need one of those. I mean, you you've shut down the conversation but you know, are you concerned about your debt gives them an opportunity to react and say, yes, I am. Now how I solve their debt problem is what the curiosity factor is and why they want to come meet and talk to me. Um, but I'm not leading with the solution. I'm leading with the problem.
0: And, you know, as, as I've said earlier, you know, I think you just do such a stellar job of this whole process because one of, you know, in all transparency, one of the key differences between, Um, I think a seminar approach and oftentimes a LinkedIn approach is that on the seminar, people are coming, they have a chance to experience you for maybe an hour or more. You're up there speaking. um, And then from that perspective, or, you know, after that experience, they then move into one-on-one conversations with you. Correct. Uh, So, so, you know, it's very, you know, they're already well aware of who you are, the kinds of stuff that you help them with LinkedIn fundamentally can be very different um, in the sense that we're really reaching out much more cold. Um, We're trying to drive curiosity around some of those things. They don't know a lot about you at this point necessarily. Maybe, you know, we share some videos and maybe there's a little bit. What is it in your experience? And I mean, we've talked about this before, but I'd love for you to share with our audience that allows you, what are those best practices that allow you to effectively Advance the sale, move someone from interested on a LinkedIn message message to what are those next step up to the point of closing, a, a, you know, closing a new client for lack of a better word.
1: Right. Well, you're absolutely right. When when someone comes into me from a seminar and they've booked an appointment, they've already seen me speak for an hour. They have a sense of who I am, my personality, what I believe. Yeah. Um, when someone's coming in from LinkedIn, they don't have any of that background. In my office, we call that the, they are not indoctrinated. Yeah. Yet.
0: <laughs> That's a marketing word that I, I, I sometimes use, sometimes don't, but I love it.
1: <laughs> yeah. They're not indoctrinated. <laughs> in indoctrinated. The world. So, um, so uh, the process is really to get them to be a believer. Yeah. So yeah. Um, certainly the videos that you've done with me um, on LinkedIn are you know, the first place where they go, okay, I've seen her talk, even though it's a short video, they know what I believe. Yeah. And again, either that a message resonates or not to then take them from that place of saying, yes, I'd like to learn more. And that first hurdle, if you will, of a 10 to 15 minute conversation yeah. when they sign up for that conversation, you know, it's a very friendly conversation. Um, and again, they, they've already seen my video. They've talked to, you know, they already know who I am a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So when I start talking to them, I simply, you know, ask them, you know, what'd you think of the video? Mm. You know, And they'll tell me, you know, oh, I was really interested in what you said about debt, or I was really interested in what you said about taxes. They're giving me a track to go down. I don't have to start talking and selling something or selling me, because they've already bought in, the fact that they're on the call. So during that call, I'm really just learning more about them and what concerns they have. I don't get into specifics, how much money you have. I never ask that question. Um, But what's concerning to you about your financial situation? And they'll tell me. Uh, There's no big mystery to the fact that they're going to sit there and say well I'm really concerned because I have student debt I'm Really concerned because we just bought a house and I'm 50 years old and I've got a 30-year mortgage Um, Whatever they're telling me everyone's situation is obviously unique But they will tell me that during that phone call and from there We'll go on and schedule a one-on-one one-on-one meeting in the office so that's where they you know the process is for them to get to know me better and for me to know whether they're a qualified candidate or opportunity for me to even have them in my
0: office. Definitely. And, and, and I love that for a couple of reasons. One is that, um, you know, not necessarily everyone that responds to the messaging is qualified from your perspective. Right. right. So it's right. not all about, you know, how can I move the, you know, advance the sale? It's, you know, I mean, really, you know, you're qualifying them as much as they're buying into the next steps.
1: Right.
0: One right. of the things that I've heard you say before, and is that, Um, In terms of the people that get on that first, you know, 15 minute call with you, that you, I heard you boast, you know, I I don't want (laughs) to, but I heard you boast that to me privately, but I'm sharing with everybody, that 90% of the people that you talk to from that, that are qualified from your perspective, say yes to then having the next meeting moving forward and them coming into your office. Um, to me, that is like, you know, the gold standard. I mean, to take once again a complete stranger that we meet on LinkedIn to get them to say yes to that initial call and then to build enough trust, um, enough interest, and enough trust and enough um, drive, if you will, for them to now go through the process of coming to your office, filling out paperwork, and taking those next steps. Can you share any more insights into what that looks like?
1: Yeah, well. The trick is listening. I mean, there's, there's not a li- lot of mystery there is that when I listen to them and I ask them questions about their situation, rather than telling them, this is what I can do for you, um, it becomes about them. So they become the hero in the story, mm-hmm. if you will. They become the most important person in that conversation. I'm not the important person there. They are. And so if they can feel that During that call, they're much more likely to continue to share information and to say yes to the meeting. And it it may sound, you know, ordinary, but I've assumed the close. By the time I get to that 12 minute mark in that phone conversation, I'm assuming if the conversation's going well and they revealed enough information to me, that I, I will say something like, Well, I would love the opportunity to help you find solutions to the challenges you've told me about let's set up a time for next week to get together so we can get into more details and that's it um and they'll say oh okay you know and like i said 90 percent of the time they're saying oh okay it's not even um, what you'll find at seminars interestingly enough is sometimes well i have to check my calendar i'll have to check with my spouse or i have to walk my dog that day or whatever it is that they're going to give me as an excuse. The LinkedIn people, if I've done my job on that 15-minute call, they don't have an excuse. Oh, wow. So they're not giving me a reason why they can't. Um, the only reason that they can sometimes is um, in the aerospace industry and defense industry, they have off every other Friday. So finding their every other Friday that works with my schedule um, to find a time that they can meet. So that's the only real challenge we have
0: with getting them booked from the call. <clears throat> Excuse me. You said you said listening, which I think is cool, which is key. I mean, a lot of other people I talk to, it's always like, here's the pitch, here's the pitch, here's the pitch, here's the pitch, here's the pitch. Here's the pitch. Um, and so I think listening is, 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 you know, it sounds simple, but it's 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 fundamental. Um, right. There's another nuance and aspect that I'd love to get your perspective on, which is, I call it the idea of push versus pull.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This might just be another way of saying listening versus pitching. But you know, what I think you do exceptionally well and why what I, what I think people are following your lead is that you're not, I don't know, needy for lack of a better word. You're not pushing, you're not you're not trying to, you know, sell um can you add any any additional thoughts, perspective? Or in yeah,
1: well, I, like I said, I, I am busy. I, I am looking for other advisors because I don't have time to deal with all the leads that we have. And that's a good problem to have, though not to interpret that as a complaint. I am blessed to have the opportunities that we have. Um, so it's more important to me that I don't meet with everybody, yeah. that everybody is not a qualified prospect. So I don't feel the need that, You know, I have to meet with them. Oh, my gosh, this may be the only opportunity I come across this week so I better meet with them. You know, that's not the case at all. So, um, and a lot of times I'll say to people something along the lines of, well, you know, once you share your information with me, I'll see if there's a way for me to help you. If there's a way for me to help you, I'll be glad to share that with you. If not, you know, we'll shake hands and go our separate ways. But I I just want to see if there's an opportunity for us to, for me to help you with your situation. Yeah, It's hard to say no to something like that.
0: <laughs> right it's like no don't don't help me with my situation no no one
1: help mm.
0: <laughs> yeah and you do a fantastic job um starting to wrap up our conversation um sure. you know, thinking about an advisor out there um you know especially people that are in you know selling life insurance or annuities or things of that nature um what is you know a final piece of advice that you might have for them uh, i
1: think it's it's what I, I learned at my epiphany moment, which is um, seek a mentor, seek um, a coach, somebody you can talk to, whether it could be another financial advisor or community. I mean, you may perceive them as a competitor, but seek out a mentor of some, you know, some type, because for me, I'm always learning. Um, I'm talking to other advisors, some of them which are, you know, mentoring and coaching clients or in, within my agency or other, where, other places around the country. But get input. Um, you know, iron sharpens iron, and we can learn from everybody. Uh, there are advisors who, you know, that tell me I'm not very successful, but then they'll they'll talk to me and they'll give me some nugget that I'm using next week at a seminar. So um, the idea is to to have somebody, um, a mentor of some sort, that can help you through all the components of your practice. I know with people I work with, it's from lead generation all the way through to closing the sale, I actually work with uh, my advisors to help them all the way through to closing the sale. So it becomes, it goes from being conceptual to being practical, hands-on practical solutions, and I think that's what every advisor really needs to grow their practice. Yeah.
0: And, and I love that because I think there's, you know, to me, it's always a process and I love that you're process oriented. You know, it's not just how do I, you know, everyone has like their their thing that they think they need more of. I need more leads. I need more leads. And then they get more leads. And it's like, okay, I need to be able to close better. I need to be really close better. Okay. I need better follow up. I need better follow up. And so there's okay. always a process. And so it's thinking through that whole process, which I know that you do incredibly well with helping people um, okay. for, for, you know, an advisor watching this um, potentially um, that's interested in, um, working with you, whether it's um, can you can you share a little bit about those opportunities, whether it's as a business coach or um, your agency?
1: Yeah, um, it's it certainly you know everyone has a unique practice, so it depends what their current affiliations already are. We're not necessarily looking to be disruptive to those relationships. Um, because I do have leads all over the country, I am looking for advisors who can work within my agency. If for whatever reasons that's not practical for your particular situation, um, and then I have other advisors that simply I do coaching and mentoring with them on a one-on-one basis. So it certainly depends upon what the current situation is and the need, what their sales process looks like. Um, again, my focus is going to be, you know, smart retirement, um, taxes, and debt. Um, And if that makes sense to you, um, it certainly is a differentiating factor. So we don't sound like every other wealth advisor out there. And um, that's where the value proposition comes in. And that's what attracts clients to us. Instead of me needing to pull them in, they're already attracted to it because it's a different message.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Nancy, for your time today. Um, We're going to include... links or information as part of this in terms of how to reach out and contact you if someone's interested. But um, once again, thank you so much and for sharing your insights and wisdom and being such a a great role model for what's possible for people.
1: Great. Well, thanks to Paul. I really appreciate it. had a great time.
0: Bye for now.